Welcome, Dr. James Beckett, Sports Card Insights here with Rich Klein. We're going to talk about Junk Wax 2.0, question mark. <laughs> We're not the jury, but there's different schools of thought on that. But thanks, sponsors, Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, Compsy.com, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Panini, Upper Deck, and Tops. So, Rich, you consume a lot of hobby content. There's feeling that it's not Junk Wax era like it was 30 years ago but there may be something brewing and calling it a 2.0, I think is pejorative. I think it is upsetting that it, it, we, we even think that way, but some people think that. And so what are your arguments or counter arguments? It's different because as our mutual friend, Bo Spencer Thompson, who does 1 million Cubs podcast every day, back in the junk wax days or the overproduced wax days, your barrier to entry was very low. Let's call it $20 for a box of 540 cards. That's three cents a card, four cents a card. Cards cost a lot more money today. However, because of the hits, a lot of those cards that aren't hits are considered disposable. I have an office at Waters Creek full with cards that are considered disposable. And I'm not even really trying hard to get them and people still give them to me. And I'm blessed by that. I'm going to give them away at our next Dot Haverim show, May 29th and 30th. And we'll have bags. But one of my points is that there's also junk slabs or overproduced slabs with all the people, especially when the pandemic began, that flooded PSA at $8 each, $10 each for slabs. How many Luca cards are going to be slabbed? How many Ja Morant cards are going to have slabs? How many Trevor Lawrence cards are going to be slabbed? Even at the expensive price point, PSA, when their latest thing came out, I believe about cards graded in April, the card they graded most of in April in baseball, the Wander Franco 2022 Tops rookie card. So there's going to be a lot of these cards available. And unless the market says we can handle it, there will be naturally an oversupply. And the normal law of, of supply and demand indicates uh, prices go down. I think there's some junk out there, but I don't think it's a junk wax 2.0 and because I don't think it's junk wax. The modern day wax pack, foil pack, whatever it is, the, the original junk wax here, you didn't even, if you had a box and now it's coming back because of grading, but you ge generally would not open up a box because you would know if it's 89 Donruss or 88 Donruss or something, there's not going to be anything great in there, but that's not the case for the current wax. And most products you would want to open because there might be, in fact, there's a hit in every pack depending on you know, how, how big the hit would be, but you'd be dying to open that up. And so that's different from back in the day. You didn't want to open it. You wanted to keep it in its original. And some people are doing that. I hope it's not that much. So I don't think it's that the wax is junk. I think what you have is the base cards can be junk. And then to go further, the ignominious uh, fate of the quote unquote common player in the modern day sets of 100 or 150 guys in the league, that's mainly better players. So you don't even have that many cards in a modern day base set that are utility infielders. There's or only a couple of sets that best. do. Top base, base top, Tops flagship and baseball. I'm just going to stay with baseball. And Tops heritage. I know Both of them have a lot of players in the set. Okay. Because they are... A set collector's right. set. And I agree with that. My, my point is a lot of the premium sets don't have that. No. And then, but if it's still a wax pack, you're going to say, I want to open that and see what the hit is. What do you do with the base cards left behind? My concern is, and the reason I wanted to deal with this topic is that I think there's junk stars. 
It's well, like there are. And, and we were talking about dollar boxes, but dollar boxes, $2 boxes, $5 boxes, 50 cent boxes. These cards, you're not getting a lot of set collectors anymore on a lot of these sets. And the player collectors, once they get the base, they don't need 10 copies of it. They need one. How many Peyton Mannings or Tom Brady's do you really need from 2023 score football? One. In the quarter boxes, you're going to see Peyton Manning, but you're not going to see Tom Brady normally. And so there is some hierarchy there. But Marvin Harrison, who was on the other end of of, uh, Manning's throws in the beginning of his career, that guy was a great receiver. He's in the dime box, if that. Yeah, there are a lot of Hall of Famers. Obviously, sometimes alignment too, but Edger and James is in the Hall of Fame. All three of the Indianapolis Colts will call it triplets. They really weren't triplets in the way the Cowboys were considered triplets, but they're triplets. And all three of them are in the Hall of Fame. And Manning, being the quarterback, is going to be much higher than Harrison or James. But all three are in the Hall of Fame, and correctly so, by the way. But for a base common of any of those three guys, they're going to sell in that order. But uh, Manning might sell a little bit better. Edron James and Marvin Harrison, even if they're a player collector, they probably already have the base cards from this era of sets. That's what I'm saying. So that makes it junk stars. Maybe not superstars, but junk stars. And there are no commons anymore other than, like you said, and unfulfilled, haven't made it yet, never going to make it, rookies and first cards. And that's worse than junk to me if they're never going to make it in the quantity they're there compared to, like we're saying, Edron James or Marvin Harrison. They're always going to have some following. An unknown rookie that never made it has got his college fans and all that. And if it's numbered to nine ninety nine, that's junk now, I think, isn't it? Or what's your cutoff for? Well, and today nine ninety nine is a big print run. Nineteen ninety one, nine ninety nine would be okay. This is a really tough card. It might be one in three cases. It'd be a, not just a case hit, but like a mega case. But the other thing we've talked about is what they call junk slabs, where, as I said, they sent away for all these cards. And now there's a preponderance of some of these cards in the marketplace because the slabbing of them was so inexpensive. And then if the guy, as you point out, doesn't become a super duper star, Zion Williamson was hurt for a lot of this year. If Zion Williamson never develops, he's going to end up as overproduced slabs, especially some of those early cards. It's what are you going to do? You're just going to either sell them real cheaply or they'll sit in your showcase for a long time. There are podcasters out there that suggest that it's a safer bet to get uh, PSA 10s or BGS 9.5, a high grade of a card that is a base card. Again, this is more the wisdom a couple of years ago because it's so easy to get comps. It's easy to get comps because it's overproduced, overgraded, over overslabbed. And so if they're that available, it's become commoditized. And yes, you can find comps easily and a bunch of comps, but those can't keep going up and up in value. In fact, a lot of them have gone down because people realize how many are out there. And then well, what's the saying, taking the punch bowl away? At some point, the punch bowl is going to be taken away, and we may have a market correction. Nothing goes up forever, regardless of your best. So we're talking about in a base, in it like a tops flagship, and you send in a card of a good player. And if it was a PSA 10, maybe you can sell it, but maybe not so much lately if it's not a rookie or a giant big star. And if it comes back PSA 9, do you consider cracking it out? I just don't know. But a PSA I mean, what, what are you going to get? If it's a PSA 9 of Albert Pujols, if it's a 22 tops, I'm saying, yeah. PSA 9, Albert Pujols, who's a first ballot Hall of Fame, or Yadier Molina, who will be in the yeah. Hall of Fame, Some, you know, or Mike Trout, even Mike Trout. You can't get your money back from the grading. Nothing. At eight bucks, you maybe could. 
but I'm not even sure about that as a PSA nine. Well, at eight bucks, you can at least try to get ten dollars for the card, but at least break even. I know, but at but, fifty bucks a card. But at fifty bucks a card, you better get the perfect. You can't even send it in. I mean, no. but again, if you're sending it in, would you send in the bait raw, even if it is going to be a ten? At some point, and that's what we found is that in the junk slabs. It's not just PSA eights and BGS sevens and SGC seven point fives. It's PSA tens that are quasi junk and BGS nine point fives that are going for less than the current cost of grading. If there are too many of the card and it's not a popular player, the supply demand, the simplest law of economics. I'm quibbling with the word wax. I think if you have a current wax pack, people will be dying to open it and hope what they get. The problem is they're going to pull one card out at best one or two, unless it's one of these super expensive packs. But that's why I'm specializing on on the counter. That's why I'm specializing on the word slabs. Yeah. Instead of wax, because it's not really, as you said, it's not the wax. You want to open the pack trying to get the big hit. So wax really isn't the junk. It's what you get after you open the pack. And I don't like calling it junk either. I'd rather just call it overproduced or not as popular. Calling something junk is really a derogatory term that you just hate to use. Okay. I haven't heard this discussed, but get your take on this. And that is that P- let's just focus on PSA, the kind of the market leader for grading at one point, 12 or 13 million cards in their backlog in their vault, so to speak. And they've reduced that down to 4 million. Okay. And so that means they put 8 million extra cards from the year before back into the system now. And we've seen some of those effects. My point is, do we really think the 4 million that they haven't done yet is better or more exclusive or more difficult to find than the 8 million that they put back in there? If I were running, I'd save the worst for last. I wouldn't, I'd save the overproduced stuff for last. Why would I be in a hurry to, to get those back? Now, maybe it's just a random sample and we're going to see more of the same, but I would think if they have a vault and they have this backlog, I'd be looking to clean out the more expensive ones. Remember, they're, they're dealing with the boxes. You may not know what's in the boxes. So I, I will give them a pass because then you'd have to open up every single box, which is a nightmare in itself before you decide what you're going to grade first. We've seen the photos. Nat Turner posted the photo once of the PSA floor. I, don't, I honestly don't think that they've looked in every single box. I think they're just getting through the boxes. And I don't think there's any differentiation at this point between box A and box B other than, hey, box A is done. Box B will be coming up next. But doesn't every, every box have a submission slip on top of it? I don't think that's on top of it because otherwise I mean, then the inside, post office would know what to steal. So you put it inside. The inside. You're just dealing with boxes. You open it up and it ought to be right there. Yeah, but if you really want to open up boxes when you don't need to, that's going to create more of a, that's even going to create more liability. of a storage issue. There's liability. Yeah. I'm just saying, just crack it open. Just peek. <laughs> I, I don't think they're doing that. I so really don't. I mean, based on what we talk about BGS, I bet you it's the same thing. They don't peek. It's probably impractical. It is impractical. <laughs> so are they doing little boxes or big boxes or or just, it's not first in, first out though, I don't think. I think it's just random, however they're doing it. It's just one of those things. We, we can definitely agree that if there's 4 million cards that were put in a year ago, a whole bunch of those are going to go into your quote unquote pile of junk slabs that are going to be in a $5 box or whatever the box would be, $10 box of random slabbed cards that are, especially if they're PSA 9s. I agree with you 100% on that. There's going to be design leaves and PSA 9s in the $5 boxes. <laughs> you know, again, it's a pet peeve. 9s 
At arm's length, a nine is no different than a 10. When we were both at Beckett, with the average card out of a pack was an 8.5. So a nine is better than what you're supposed to get out of a pack. It's mint. It's mint. Yeah. It's mint. It's a good card. So we're thinking that your junk slab are mint or better. Yes. Okay. Because I think if somebody gets an eight pack, they shouldn't have sent it in if it's a modern card because it's better raw than graded as an eight. And so they've really goofed up there and they're just going to get rid of it. I don't think they're going to crack it and resend it. They're, they're just going to get rid of it. Yeah. But you're talking about the, the nines and tens and the players that are less popular. It's, you're not going to find John Moran or Luca no. in the really discount things yet. If it's like the Junk Wax original era, uh, back before that was a thing, there still were people accumulating large quantities of these mass-produced cases. And so if we had the same thing here, there, there probably is somebody that's going to go, well, I'm already happen having it happening with my ComC account. If I graded slabbed cards with a decent grade for something that's way below the cost of regrading it, I have people buying multiple, not buying me out, but buying a bunch of those. And Last year at the May Dallas Card Show, it worked out very well. I bought a bunch of, we'll call it second level graded, second, wow. really second and third tier grading company cards. It was like we were talking and they got dumped on my table one day because I was talking to somebody. Oh, good. Here, here you are. Here you are. Here's like 500 cards. Okay. And it was like 50 cents a card. And I sold a bunch the Saturday of the show. And I almost actually got into break even. And I gave somebody a really good deal. I said, by the way, pay me these for the rest of the cards and take them home with you. And he was thrilled because he was paying 40 cents each for, and granted it's second level grading companies, but he was paying 40 cents each when you couldn't even send the card into a grading company. Figuring at 40 cents each for a card that has even protection in case it was a good deal. Yeah. And in a time when you can't even buy a top loader, they're sold out of top loaders and stuff. No, I hear you. I, like I said, I, I hope this isn't a junk wax or junk slab or or junk anything. One of the things you and I are for sure known for is that every card has some value. That's the premise of the Almanac and all the price guides that we did. It, some cards are worth less than others, but I, I stand for the proposition that cards are not worthless. I hope they're not. Or the famous article from Rob Veers, which he's edited a few times, basically every card that he sold had 11 different price points, depending on how it was being used. Rich. Uh, thanks for sharing your insights. I'll see you at the dollar boxes next week. You'll see me. We'll see you next week. Okay. Thanks again, Rich. And thanks listeners. Be back again tomorrow.